0: Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at Citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message.
1: Uh, we've been in a series called Fully Alive. How do we find life in the one who has conquered death? That God really did create all things and really did create us and we really did sin against a holy and righteous God. And yet God so loved us that he sent his son for us to live a life that we could not and then ultimately die a death upon a cross. But he didn't stay dead, but rather he rose, he's risen, he's fully alive. And so we've been looking at 1 Corinthians 15 because it's most clear the most concise theology about the apostle Paul writes about the reality of the resurrection and the impact it has on our daily life today. And so as we've been kind of moving through the series, we've really looked at the reality of the resurrection that Jesus really did die on that cross, that it was a public execution. He really did die, he was really buried, and he really did raise three days later. And he validated that through appearances through a number of different individuals. And so we don't worship a dead Jesus. We worship a living Jesus. He is truly and fully alive. And so that reality, the resurrection of Christ is not just something we celebrate once a year, but rather it's something we build our lives upon because this singular moment in human history, it's not a fable, it's not a myth. It's something that historically happened. That man died and he didn't stay dead. He was risen and with that, we then know that Jesus is who he says he was, that he is truly fully God and fully man. We know that he can save us. We know that he can forgive us. We know that he is risen, but also we know that he is returning for us. And so the most natural thing, the most logical thing you can do with your life is to build your life on the person and the work of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done for you. That's why we sing. That's why we celebrate, that we sing and we celebrate and worship Jesus. And so in this series, we've been celebrating that Jesus is fully alive. And within that, we sing and we celebrate because when he's fully alive and because he's fully alive, we can now be fully alive. We can be full of life, full of joy, full of peace, fully satisfied, fully content, not in ourselves, but in Christ who we were made for. And so as we journey through this series, we're gonna, we knew it was gonna end on Easter Sunday and climax on Easter Sunday. And so what we're gonna do with our time today is we're gonna look at the latter half of 1 Corinthians 15, picking up in verse 50 through 58. And we're gonna use that passage to celebrate a past victory of Jesus, that he really did ri- uh, die and he really did raise to life. But then we're gonna look ahead about a future victory of Jesus when he ultimately defeats sin and death fully in us and ultimately through us. And so that's what we're gonna do this morning. So let's celebrate the risen King. First Corinthians 15:50 says it this way: I tell you this, brothers, I tell you this, sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Now that's a weird way to start a celebration. There's a kingdom of God. There's this eternity with God, but guess what? You can't go in. It reminds me of whenever I was in middle school and like the popular kid was handing out invitations and it was like, ooh, but you can't come. Like it's a weird way to start a celebration. But here's the reality, that God's heart from all of existence has been to create a space in which he could be with his people, full of joy, full of peace, full of love for where his people would be fully alive, found in him. That's the heart of God. But there's a problem here. Flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. There's something wrong in us. There's something broken in us. And you can look at the world around you, but you can just look yourself in the mirror and recognize that we've all sinned and fallen short of this glory of God, this perfection of God. And yet it's God's heart to be with his people, to invite his people into the kingdom of God. And so what we celebrate is that the king left his throne and he took up his cross. And he lived for you and he died for you and he rose for you. And because of that, heaven is open for us. Flesh and blood can inherit the kingdom of God. And so the king, God becomes flesh and blood. Hebrews 2 says it this way. It says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that through death, he might destroy the one who has power over death, that is the devil and deliver all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And so God became one of us in the person of Jesus Christ. God became human and he lived a life that we could not, perfect, sinless. But then he died the death on that cross when he who knew no sin became sin so that we would inherit the kingdom of God, inherit the righteousness of Christ. And so the king took up a cross so that we can enter into his kingdom. And because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, heaven is now open for us. That's why we sing. That's why we celebrate. We couldn't do it ourselves. And so God did it for us in the person of Jesus Christ. The resurrection shows us that we now have access to God through Christ. But it also shows us the very heart and the nature of God. The resurrection shows us the character of God that he's holy and he's just and he's merciful and he's forgiving and he's kind and he's loving. The resurrection shows us really who God is. So many of us walk around with these false images of God in our minds, don't we? That some of you just walk around with the belief that heaven frowns upon you or that God, maybe he loves you, but maybe he doesn't like you. And so what we end up doing is we end up running to our own vices to kind of self-medicate or we just try to go and try to be like a really good person so that maybe God can love me, maybe God would like me. But the resurrection shows us the heart of God, that Romans 5, 8 says that while we were still sinners, not when we cleaned up ourselves, not when we looked better, not when we did a certain amount of good deeds, but while we were still sinners, at our lowest point, Christ came for us. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And this is how God demonstrates his love for us. And so what the resurrection shows us is that God will stop at nothing to be with you. That if it's distance, he'll cross it. He'll move from heaven to earth to be with you. If it's sin, he'll take it upon himself and he'll die to that sin. And if it's death that's keeping him from you, then he will overcome it, he will conquer it so that his victory is then transferred over to you. The resurrection shows you the character in the heart of God. But it also shows us that God is in control, that the cross of Jesus Christ was the most horrific moment in human history, the death of the son of God. And yet no matter the cross, God was in control. I love the way Jesus said it when he was asked in John 10. He says, look, nobody takes my life from me. Nobody's coming to take my life from me, but rather I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and guess what, I have authority to take it back up again. Jesus is always in control, even on the cross. And he did that willingly for you. And as Hebrews 12 says, it's for the joy that was set before him that he endured that cross despising its shame and the joy that was set before him was being reunited with the Father and reunited with you. And some of you right now, you're in hard seasons and that's life and it's hard and there's ups and there's downs and there's sorrows and there's joys and there's pains and there's sweet days and there's hard days. And what the resurrection shows us is that no matter the cross, God's in control and we can trust his character We can trust him in the hardest of moments because after the cross came the resurrection. And so for you, I don't know what cross you might be carrying right now, but in this life or the next, a resurrection is coming and we can trust that God is in control even over the cross because a resurrection is coming. And finally, the resurrection really shows us that no matter your sin, no matter your struggle, if you are in Christ, then your story isn't over yet. And I know that very well. It was about seven years ago that I was working at a different church and I I had just kind of overexerted myself. I was running on empty. I was emotionally, spiritually, physically, you name it, just at my lowest. And so I went into a friend's office who was a counselor at the time. And I just began to share with him all the stuff that was going on in my life. And he listened and then he said, Hey Derek, it sounds like you're close to a near mental breakdown. And I was in my late twenties at the time and that's not what you wanna hear in your late twenties but it was true. And through a series of events, God brought me here to City Bridge and I was welcomed and I was loved. And I began to taste and see what it meant for people to be surrounding me who were really pursuing Christ. And I began to see what our motto became, which was there was this high call to follow Jesus, but this was a safe place for me to confess and to take my next faithful step with Jesus. And so I did that and I began to feel healing because I was running more deeply with Jesus, more deeply with his people. But after a couple of years, I still had these hurts and these habits that were hanging me up. And so I went to Regeneration, our 12-step discipleship program. And a part of that journey for me is you, know, you, you do this, you kind of look yourself in the mirror and you just go, hey, how did I get here? What were those hurts? What were those habits? What were those sins in my life that have led me to today? And so I made a list of every sin that I'd ever committed, which was a lot. And as a perfectionist, it was a whole lot. And yet every single one of them was true of my life. And so one of the sweetest moments of my life is I took that list and I went out into this park and I read every single one of them out to God. And if I was left there, I would wallow in my sin, but God doesn't leave us on the cross. He raises us to newness of life. Jesus died for my sins, but he also rose to give us newness of life. And so over every single one of those sins, I just wrote in big letters, Jesus died for this, Jesus died for this, Jesus died for this. And by the end, I felt more free than I had in my entire life. Cause I begin to receive and walk in the reality of the love of God for us. But the beauty of God is that the gospel just keeps getting sweeter. Jesus didn't just die for our sins, but he rose to give us newness of life. And so that for me was four years ago. And I've grown and I've matured and I've walked deeper with Jesus. And all of a sudden I have not arrived by a long shot, but my wife and those around me would say, hey, you have more joy, more love, You are more fully alive today than you have ever been. And that is solely because of the work of Jesus in my life. And so my question for you is what would be on your list? What would you bring before God? What if instead of being defined by what just came to your mind, you walked in the freedom and the reality that you are loved by God and Jesus paid for that? and Jesus rose to give you newness of life. Jesus died for our sins, but he rose to give us newness of life. Your story isn't over because of your sin, but God invites sinners to come to him and to receive the forgiveness and the grace that's found only in Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate. That's why we sing. A past victory can give us newness of life, but the gospel gets sweeter because not only do we celebrate a past victory, we look ahead to a future victory that's to come. You see, Jesus' first victory over sin and death was his own resurrection, but that's not the end of the story. His first victory over sin and death was his own resurrection, but his final victory, his full victory over sin and death is when he raises to life all those that have trusted in him. And that's what the passage goes next that Jesus will return, he will redeem, he will renew. We celebrate that he has rose from the grave, but we celebrate that he will return as well. Verse 51 says it this way. Behold, look at this, look how amazing this is. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, We we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, when Jesus returns for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed, we shall be transformed, we shall become fully alive. For the perishable must put on the imperishable and the mortal body must put on immortality. And so we sing and we celebrate, yes, of a past victory, but that past victory gives us assurance for a future victory that's coming that Jesus is returning and is renewing everything, which includes those that believe in Him as He ushers us into eternity with Him in which there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more diagnosis, no more end, no more weakness, no more death. Jesus is returning and that's why we sing. That's why we celebrate because we know because he has won his victory over sin and death, he will win the victory over sin and death in our own lives. And the passage says it this way, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, when that day comes, when Jesus returns and makes all things new, including us, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? This passage right here is not talking about a past event. It is pointing ahead to a future event, a future reality in which you in Christ will sing over death's grave. Because it is finished. It's accomplished. He has risen and he will return and he will win. And we will sing over death because death will be defeated in us and by him. Paul right here is quoting from Isaiah 25, one of the sweetest verses in our Bible that points ahead to this future moment. It says, he, God will swallow up death forever and the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people, he's gonna take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken, this is happening. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. This is the song we sing over death. Behold, this is our God. We've waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord, we have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Our great hope is that Jesus has risen from the grave and because he has risen from the grave, we know that he will return, he will renew and he will win. Jesus's first victory over death was his own, but his final victory will be for all of those that have trusted in him. That's why we sing, that's why we celebrate. But let me be very clear. This future victory is only possible because of a present faith, a present trust in Christ. And so if you're in here and you haven't trusted in Christ, God's heart is to win the victory in Jesus, but then to give that victory to anyone who would believe in him. And so if you're in here and you haven't trusted Christ, maybe a friend invited you, maybe a family member, maybe you just found us through whatever means, but let me tell you how you got here. God wanted you here. Because the king has made a way for you to enter into his kingdom so that you might know this God now and forever. God wanted you here to hear how you get in and it's not by your own doing, it's by the work of God. You see, Hebrews 9, 27 says, that it's appointed for all of us to die and after that comes judgment. And we will stand before a holy and righteous God who must do something about sin. And what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, says the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. What makes death so horrible is that without Christ, we stand before a holy and righteous God with our list. And he's holy and must judge sin, but he is so loving that he's made a way for us. See Romans 3.23 says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's nobody here that has figured it out or has done good enough long enough for God to accept them. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans 6, 23, that says the wages of sin, what we have earned from God for our sin is death. When we reject the author of life, all that's left is death. That's what we've chosen. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a free gift that he wants to give to you. And like any gift, you can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can only receive it. And Romans ten nine tells us how. It says that when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is by grace, through faith, based upon the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so my question to you is where are you with Jesus? Easter is not just some day on the calendar that we go and celebrate and dress night and paint eggs and get a giant bunny around for whatever reason. It is the historic moment in which God made a way for you to know him and to love him. It's the moment that the king of the universe declared victory over sin and death and wants to transfer that victory to you and all you have to do is receive it to confess with your mouth, Jesus isn't just some guy, he's Lord. He's Lord of my life and I'm going all in on him and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. He really did conquer death and he really wants to give that victory over to us as a free gift by grace through faith. And so if you have not trusted in Christ, let today be the day you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Because when you do that, his victory is transferred to you. Verse 57 says, but thanks be to God, praise be to God, celebration goes to God, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate a past victory that gives us assurance of a future victory because God wants to give you victory over sin and death. Martin Luther called this the great exchange, that Jesus gets all of my sin upon that cross when he who knew no sin became sin and died for that sin. But then we get all of his righteousness, all of his right standing before God, that God invites us in to experience the kingdom of God now and then to taste it fully in eternity, that we could be full of joy, full of love, fully alive in Christ alone. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the hope of Christ. And when you get that message and you build your life on that message, it changes everything because Jesus is in the business of changing lives. I talked to a bunch of my friends this past week and I just asked them a question. I just go, hey, not only what has Jesus paid for, but what is Jesus giving you victory over in your life? And this is what they said. He said, he's given me victory over pride and anger and lust and a lack of control and selfishness and fear and anxiety and bitterness and envy and critical thinking and critical speaking and hate and theft and insecurity and pornography and gluttony. You see your sin on there? Because I do. Fear and anxiety and control and perfectionism, fear of man, What if I were to tell you that Jesus knew fully what he was getting himself into when he took that on the cross for you and he died for that and he paid for that? And then what if I were to tell you that he wants to free you from that? So I asked my same group of friends who gave me this list, I go, hey, if that's what Jesus took on the cross for you, what did he give you in his resurrection? And the same group of friends said, this is the victory I've seen. I've seen peace. I've seen joy. I've seen freedom. I've seen hope. I've seen self-control. I've seen love. I've seen trust. I've seen deeper relationships. I've seen gentleness. I've seen my Christ risen and it's changed everything in my life. So what is it for you? What is it for you? What sin so easily entangles you? Jesus wants to write over that, I died for this, because I died for you. Jesus died for our sins, but he rose to give us a newness of life that he wants to take your pride and give you peace. He wants to take your anxiety and give you love. He wants to take your sin and give you himself, the one, who you were made for. And when you grab that, it changes your life, which is why Paul ends this way. It says, therefore, my beloved brothers, therefore, my beloved sisters, because of everything we've just talked about, because of the character of God, because of the love of God, because of what God's done in us and through us, and because of what God has done in and through Jesus Christ, be, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, You're loved, you're cared for. Now let's get to work. Be steadfast, be immovable. Anchor your life on this and this alone, a God who can take away your sin and give you more of himself, more joy, more peace, more life than you can ever dream possible. Anchor your life in this because the world's gonna try to pull you away and it's gonna kinda try to keep you off-kiltered, but you root and anchor your life in this. You be steadfast, you be immovable. You abound in the work of the Lord, why? Because you know something. You know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That the only thing you can take with you into eternity is your good works that you've done on behalf of Christ. And there is coming a day in which your faith will become your sight and you will see him for all that he is. And we will celebrate for eternity that he has won the victory in his own resurrection and he will win the victory fully when he returns. God's heart is to take those who are dead and make them alive and make those who are alive in Christ fully alive in him. If you wanna see what that looks like, take a look at my friend here.
0: My name is Alex Gonzalez. I am 42 and I'm from Los Angeles, California. I was born in Queen of Angels and uh, my parents uh, were uh, migrated from Mexico. Uh, my mom was uh, 16 and my dad was nine years old. So my dad pretty much grew up uh, in in Los Angeles. I remember him sharing that at an early age, he began to drink. He, he took his first sip at 16 years old of alcohol that uh, didn't realize that that would kind of cause him to fall into an addiction, you know, of of alcoholism. When they were about 21, uh, they uh, they had me um, on January 8th, 1980. I remember this one particular time where my my dad really like they he beat up my mom so bad, like where she was laid out on her on the floor just wailing. It affected me so much. I think all this domestic violence was was causing bitterness and anger. And growing up there in Omani, you know, we just got acquainted with a lot of friends from the neighborhood. There wasn't technology like before, so we spent a lot of time in the streets, you know? And um, and so in the 80s and 90s, like there's a lot of like gangs and crime going on. So we were exposed to a lot of that growing up. And I started growing up with this like sense of desire to have that kind of power. It's like, man, why are they instilling so much fear in me? like that that i began to desire and look up to gangs i said i actually set up an appointment like there was a place that i needed to meet them it was it was going to be after school one day and uh, during lunch uh, i see i see a a really like a buddy that i grew up in elementary with just kind of walking across with my other buddies he he ran across the field and he actually came up to me and he said, alex like i heard i heard about your appointment i don't think you should go i'm begging you bro like, don't do it. And, um, and he, he did, he convinced me not to go and I didn't show up. What amazes me is that just to think that even then, just looking back and I could see the hand of God over my life, directing me to a different direction. So after that, um, I met this girl and, um, and we were in an unhealthy relationship. We got married, uh, we had our kid. Unfortunately, I had to drop out of school uh, because I had to get two jobs. And, um, and so I just, that's all I did was work um, and to provide. I'm trying to better me now. I go to a trade school and, and I'm sitting there and these guys are talking about praying over a quiz. I'll never forget his name and I can't find him to this day, Jacinto Gonzalez. That's what got us kind of connecting because we had the same last name. He turned around and he's like, hey, are you guys Christian? And Jacinto began to like, spend time with me in these projects that we would build computers and he would spend time with me sharing the gospel. And there was this particular moment where he said, All right, so look, when you when you used to go into the Catholic Church and you see that guy that's up on the cross right there, like, do you know who that is? Bro, that was God in the flesh. So all this time I'm looking at a man on a cross, but but he should have been off of that cross. He's like, he got buried in a tomb and he rose from the grave. Like, when have you heard something like that? So you're telling me that God that was there with me all this time and all these different events in my life, I can have a personal relationship with him? And he said, yeah. This God would love me enough to, to, uh, to be His friend or His son, and um, and pay and pay that for me. Like it hit me so hard, little by little. Like God just began to disciple me through Him and through Joseph and through all these different people. Got me connected to a local youth group, and there I got involved in. And, and and began to, you know, just get involved in ministry as well, where I met my wife. And and throughout this time, I'm literally, I'm still I'm I'm trying to do everything right. The way I did it wrong the first time, and the Lord's giving me opportunities to do it right. This domino effect of like my mom came to know the Lord, my siblings came to know the Lord. My dad hit rock bottom though. It took him a little while, but he came to know the Lord and he restored their relationship and their marriage as well. And they look like like little kids in love, you know? Empty nesters, you know? And, and God gave me all these, these second chances to be able to do life different. And now I'm like, I have a family and I get to tell this story of this redeeming love that God provides. When he can grab someone from the slums and he can bring them to life, you know? thanks for listening we pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus if you found this message helpful feel free to share it with others and leave us a review to learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus check us out online at citybridgechurch.org You can also follow us on social at CityBridgeCC. See you next time.